Welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Hey, Will, how's it going? I'm Justin. Hey, I'm Tom. Uh, I'm usually at the beginning of the episode, but that's okay, because in studio tonight, we have a very special guest, both guests. We have Nick and Ray from Moontooth. Very so, special. How you doing? Man. How you doing? Hey guys, how you, you guys doing? Crushing it. Thank Getting you. the compliment at the top. <laughs> now we get down to business. Uh, I just want to say something. Thanks for being here. How I want to say something. Really? Actually, yeah. thanks for having us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I got an intro with "Hey, how you doing?" Yeah, mm. this is all we're Long feels, Island here. Just feels good. Well, nice to meet you all, y'all's again. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. As, as, we, as we've done for many years now. Mm. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, Will, uh, you did something interesting this weekend. About cassette tapes. Oh, okay, all right. Because I was, th- I, I did a lot of weird stuff this week, and I wouldn't <laughs> want to talk about on the mic. But yeah, I, I cleaned out the t- the old tape collection, guesstimating close to a thousand cassette tapes. Oh um, my god! Yeah, wow. I I got I had all the cardboard. I got rid of all the cardboard. No more shoe boxes or anything. I got these plastic kind of like shoe shoe box size boxes. I got them roughly grouped by genre. Um, and I got a huge box of duds, like blank tapes that could be taped over when I start a tape label when I retire one day. <laughs> I alphabetized all my vinyl head to toe. And the vinyl, the, the selection I'm going to talk about for, for my vinyl recommendation, uh, maybe tonight, um, if we get to that, or maybe for another episode, is going to be, uh, I went to uh, Record Reserve and saw our buddy Timmy. We did a whole episode with Timmy from Record Reserve, and I yep. traded in some old vinyl. He gave me a square deal on it. Bought a new record that I really enjoyed. So that was my weekend in a nutshell, man. A lot of spring cleaning and um, a little bit of death metal peppered in. Spring cleaning. Do you have any Weird Al tapes by any chance? Ooh. Weird Al. Uh, That's what I started with. So I gotta, I gotta ask. I did find an Adam Sandler tape. That's yeah. No, <laughs> oh, we, no, you know, Weird Al though. Yeah, no. Which one was that? I'm trying to remember. I had an Adam Sandler. They're all gonna laugh at you. Was yes, the one I? Yeah, that was I, like yeah, the famous one a, with the. I think it's CD. But. The Hanukkah song. There was like his big yep. breakout Lunch single. Lady. I'm glad yeah, you guys brought yeah. that up because I was in. Uh, oh, thanks for asking, Will. I was uh, my weekend was <laughs> I was in New Hampshire uh, in Adam Sandler's hometown, Manchester. Oh wait, had a great time. Oh, Whoa, cool. yeah. Oh, yes, and and uh, just hung out with Brazilians as I do on weekends. This guy, Justin, mm-hmm. it's his birthday, Brazilian, New Hampshire, Brazilian. Uh, it's really good. I'm glad you guys brought that up. Thanks, guys. Um, I watched Fifty First Dates four times this weekend. Huh. <laughs> and, so you uh, watched Two Hundred First Dates. It got back. Will doing the math, even I'm though I'm allegedly stoned. I'm saving up for this. <laughs> nothing like the first kiss guys and, uh, <laughs> oh boy that's, that's adorable though. i love all of you so yeah um thanks for bringing that up um, I all right forgot. so we squared away what we did with the weekend let's talk about moon tooth and what you guys have been doing with the last several years it's a lot more than anything we just did with our tape collections and our trips to to, to uh to bed and breakfast in new hampshire whatever was going on <laughs> but <Good times. laughs> you guys are from long island both of you right mm-hmm. yes and i understand the two of you uh kind of grew up together from an early age jamming right yeah yes. we grew up together we started hanging out when we were like 13 years old probably even yeah. a little younger yeah story was seventh grade first day of school yeah first day yeah. of school so we walked in we both had metallica t-shirts on Rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, at Friendship. that point, I've been wearing Metallica T-shirts for several years. I was, yeah, you know, so I was by seventh grade. I was like, all right, I got Metallica as my main. You thing. gotta, you gotta start off with something right. <laughs> Five days of the week, I was probably wearing a Metallica shirt, and it was the first time I'd seen someone my own age also wearing a Metallica shirt. Mm. And then I was like, or you, I was like, didn't even know what, how to interact with people really yet. And you were the first thing you said was like, what other bands do you like? And I was like, I don't know, probably said Slayer or something. And then <laughs> so said just quizzed you, like, what do you like, bro? Well, well, like, I think it was, what other bands do you like besides Metallica? 
And uh, and then it, you know, I was like, I was like, I play guitar, and you're like, I play drums. So it was like, cool. It's fantastic. Yeah, you got a band. It's kind of like man. the moment you're waiting for as like a young metalhead where you don't. Yeah. Really, ident- you know, nobody around you likes the same music as you. Exactly, you know, mm-hmm. one yeah. person likes one Metallica song or something, but you're like getting into Slayer and you're getting into like Pantera and at the time like Slipknot and stuff, and yeah. nobody around me was like even remotely wanted to deal with any of that. So to find somebody who not only liked some of that stuff but played the opposite instrument, because you know, <laughs> you're writing riffs looking for a drummer that wants. Yes, yeah, so I spiky riffs, here. Yeah. So, and spike, spikes, spike here you know. sold me. Yeah. Big plus. <laughs> Dude, must be cool. We were a small crowd in, in Burner Middle School. Burner I mean, our, middle our graduating school class was like 750 people hmm. in Massapequa. Yeah. So, at that time, you know, however many kids that is in middle school, you know, two, seventh, and eighth grade. So, you're just like in the fucking jungle all of a sudden with all these kids from different schools, and there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And then you find your group, right? You find like black t shirts, crazy hair. You know. Converse at the time was was not that cool. You get, right. made, you get made fun of. <laughs> it's not like today. I, I have a distinct yeah. memory of being made fun of, being like, "How much do those shoes cost? Like twenty bucks?" Like, yeah, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> they're cheap. That's, like, that's you why you don't good. have any money. You're twelve or thirteen years old. <laughs> you you yeah, yeah my dad me. bought them for me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you when you grown up, uh, Long Island, you know, you grown up. Everyone's got the Insync CDs, and you know, you so you have seven hundred and fifty people in that class. Realistically. Uh, 690 of them had an NSYNC scene. Probably. No, no, probably. One, no one was dealing with Metallica and stuff, so it is good <laughs> to find like someone who is interested in the things you're also You very quickly yeah, gravitate like, towards the people that like what you like, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Especially if it's not what most of the people like, and everybody looks at you like, like you're a fucking freak for like having a patch on your backpack or whatever. You see, yell so. freak. Freak was the common yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, black shirt, Yeah. chain wallet. It would just yell freak at you. It was fine. That was okay. It's funny to look back on that stuff. And you, you guys, so yes, we have been playing together a long time. Yeah. It's just making me think about it now. It's like, all the way down. I had a patch of, like in my backpack. It was a slipknot patch. It said, don't ever judge me. And like, <laughs> it's just a funny thing how dramatic that is. Yeah, in hindsight, it's <laughs> like you're definitely judging me. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. You're kind of asking There's for no it. paperwork yeah. involved in judgment, so it happens. <laughs> but uh, so moving along here, though, exemption. You guys are playing around for a while, and uh, that kind of came yeah. from those days. And we were like yeah. already, we had other bands like with our other friends, um, Anthony Lopardo, who owns the studio with Ray, that we've done all the recordings for Moontooth. Now, like we were all in the same group, just starting to jam together and you know like play Metallica, and we used to do Metallica, Slayer, and uh, Green Day, Sepultura, and Green Day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we do Green Day, but we like me and Anthony's a jam Inner Self by Sepultura like all the fucking time, and you know like just eventually that kind of worked its way by the time we were in like ninth grade to be called Exemption, which was like four of us quickly became three of us, and then that went on for another seven years or so. Yeah, no, that that was a while. You guys put out two full lengths on an EP, mm-hmm. yep. right? Yes. And uh, you were playing. A uh, gentleman's name was Tom. He was bass playing, uh, bass player and vocalist. Mm-hmm. Yes, Tom Moran. Yeah, right. Um, which kind of brings us to a more modern point. Moontooth is formed like from the ash of the, the ashes of this. Correct. Tom yes. leaves. Why does Tom leave? I mean, Tom. He had a lot of different musical opinions that we did at the time. Like we gelled together really well. He he wanted to do a lot of. Acoustic centered music at the time, and like his vocal style, it was always like a battle between like we're writing all this crazy shit, and it's like where am I supposed to put these vocals? Kind of, 
And uh, his head kind of turned, he was like super into Dylan, super into Beatles, Stones, like music like that. So it kind of turned into something where he was writing in a style where it was hard to get everything to gel together, at least for him. So that kind of, he kind of just branched off and started his own solo project. And that was kind of, that was where he wanted to take it at right. that point. So yeah. yeah, he wasn't so much into, you know, we were going really into prog and metal, you know, mm-hmm. and other stuff too. But like, we were very much still trying to like write the craziest thing we could. And he was very much like, well, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> why? That's yeah. not at all. Like, What's wrong like, with 4-4? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like just trying to write good songs, you know, um, you don't really need to do all this, all this theatrics and fireworks and stuff. But uh, we were still really into that. And just over time, you know, he wanted to focus on just being singer songwriter. And right. you know, we were very much into the band and riffs. So yeah. So when he leaves, uh, exemptions done, and then Moontooth starts like right away. Correct? That practice, yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah that rehearsal. You know, he he told us and. We'd, I'd seen it coming for a long time. You know how it is with your old friends. Sure. You kind of like, you feel the, you know, by the time you actually talk about it, like the rift has already happened pretty much, you know, and you're just trying to understand it. Um, so like, it, you know, it was a, an emotional conversation, but we all kind of understood, hugged it, hugged it out. He went home and then we just immediately just, all right, let's <laughs> start. We're not, I'm not done. Are you done? And like, yeah. no, okay, cool. Like, here's this riff. And then just started yeah. writing songs. I mean, two of the songs, or no, one, really just one of the songs on the first Moon Tooth EP we had started writing for Exemption, which okay. is Stormpill. That's yeah. great. I was just about to ask you that. Like, was mm-hmm. it a like a conscious decision? I had demoed it, and we had talked about it, and I think he learned the riffs at the time, but it, it, that was about as far as it had gone at that yeah. point. Okay. No, that, that's... Um, yeah, I mean, taking taking one band, and as it's as it's finishing, and, <clears throat> like, the, the last remaining ideas of that, and, like, building something totally new and fresh out of it, because the two projects are very different. Yeah. Um, in a lot of respects, there's some similarities, but the writing style is like way crazier. Yeah, I remember. I remember hearing the first uh, that Moon Tooth EP and just being like, "There's nothing that sounds like this around here." You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And if anybody's listening, hasn't checked it out, check out the Moon Tooth EP. Freak. 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 That's funny because we were just talking about that. That's actually kind of where that name came from because we knew it didn't sound like anybody else, yeah. and it was kind of a joke on always being kind of outsider kind of thing. Amazing. I mean. It's a little hard to, I guess, understand why we called it that now exactly, but uh, yeah, that's basically where it came from. Is, is just that are feeling. Memories dust at that point, I think. Yeah, <laughs> at least for me, it's just a very high energy. Thirteen minutes of music or whatever yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. and yeah. Uh, we were just like we were so eager to put something out because at that point, like we've been playing music since we were when we were talking about thirteen right. years old, and mm-hmm. then it, it just. For the first time in my life, we spent six months without playing shows because it's not like we were like touring the world when we were younger but there was always a show or two a month or something going on like i was playing shows like through that whole period of time until we were about 22 yeah. i think is and what happened we, we had started to tour with exemption just started the yeah. diy thing on the east coast yeah we did a couple weeks or a week or two at a time you know whatever we can get and uh, at that point it was like six months seven months or whatever without playing any shows and it was like it was weird for us we Got were just like yeah, it's like a serious itch. We just need to get music out, and it was just us just yelling in an EP. Just let's just get this music out. Let's get on the road. Let's just yeah. get something happening because we're freaking out. I guess it's part of the reason. Yeah, it was like, all right, we got to make up for lost time because we knew how long it took to get this band, which we were 14, 15 years old, to be sort of taken seriously on you know getting tours and networking and and put on a record that got on like Metal Sucks or whatever. You know, just like the very beginning of like getting some attention to the band. 
and then that broke up pretty much at the same time. Like right. that last Exemption record, Public Cemetery Party, you know, the other two were like we were kids figuring ourselves out. That was the one where it was like, okay, we made some music that I still would stand behind as like art I'm proud of, you know, and but then it just broke up like within that year essentially. Or no, I guess it was a little bit later, but it's, it was 09, I think. But you no, still it came won. out in 2010 and we broke up in 2000 and well, so, you're yeah. still like feeling momentum from it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it was just starting, really. You know, right. it still felt like okay, we're you know, I was booking tours, and then you know, like we would be psyched about it, and you know, it wasn't all around in the band. It was, it seemed like we were just going in different directions. But the point being that, like, once that broke up, it was like fuck, like got to start a whole new band. I got to write all new songs. We got to get a new singer, a new bass player. We got to start. So the whole impetus of Moontooth was like. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. That's and if cool. anybody started slacking at any point, it was like, you got checked really hard. And, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it was, it was, but it was, everybody was into it though. Everybody yeah. adapted very quickly. That's interesting too, because you can hear, like, you could hear a, a yeah. sense of urgency in that first EP too. Urgency and that's what kind of, that's what, yeah. that's what drew me to it. It was just like, listen to this fucking energy, man. And, and like, you know, uh, and, and the, the creativity about it too, which obviously like carries on and it's why you guys are, yeah. uh, you know, why we fucking care about you guys musically you know it's like it's I wanted it to be unrelenting so and even the live show too and just putting energy into that was all about like you can't even if you hate this you're gonna fucking pay attention for the time that it's on or we're (laughs) on stage like you won't have to buy a record but like you'll at least give it the time of day I just wanted to like we wanted to grab people that didn't care about our music and just that that was my favorite compliments when people came up to us and was like I don't like your music but I watched the whole thing and I, I liked it, and so, I'm gonna come watch you again just because I just want to see it happen. So this is so yeah, fun too. That, so yeah. so you put this album out and uh, or this EP out in 2013, 13, right? yeah. 13, what, right? So um, so playing shows on Long Island, which is like right where you go to, like playing local shows, whether mm. you're at like AMH or Revolution or yeah, right, it was probably Broadway bar, Broadway still, at the time, yeah, yeah. Right? Broadway bar. Yeah. Um, this this the scene around here, man, is is just hardcore. It's just beatdown. It's breakdowns, you know, and it's and yeah, it's uh, so so when you guys are playing, like, where are you fitting in, or who are you talking to to get booked, and uh, and and what and those show experiences, obviously, you're just trying to do your best to put on a memorable visual experience, yeah. if nothing less, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like our friends in those bands. Sweet. That would maybe ask us to do those every once in a while. You know, shout out any of those bands. Well, I mean, Tim Howley, I guess you know he was in world we knew and then i mean i don't know i mean all i mean it's it's hard to say i guess which ones were hooking us up more or whatever but it would just be like you know the people in the bands would dig it it's more like their fans and friends would just be like what the fuck is this you know but which it's funny though that you say that though is that's kind of why during that time period in the beginning we were more setting up shows with like our like our indie rock friends and stuff like for Long Island, anyway. I mean, and, and hooking up shows for touring bands. Like, I would be setting up our own shows for touring bands, either at the Pool Hall in Belmore or Beery's, or, I mean, sometimes at Broadway, but it wasn't really until Broadway became AMH that we started playing there mm-hmm. more. Um, so you're playing with, like, like, uh, like, I know, a Hicksville band, like Bangladeshi, right? They, yeah, right? yeah. Is that, that band over there? Like, well, the, I think really? they're from out east, actually. Yeah? Yeah. I but, always uh, saw them, like, sh- uh, pop up at Beery's. Yeah, and, well, just... Uh, yeah, just yeah, Beast, Beast Modulus, too, right? Play a lot with them. They're or, in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, in the early days, I don't know. Who the fuck did we, who did we play with a lot? I mean, play with, uh, Give Up the Goods. 
Yeah, like, we did that. Johnny Booth. Play with Buckshot Facelift twice. Play with John Buckshot <laughs> Facelift, yeah. Yeah, there it is. Talk, I mean, talk about, like, stagnant Long Island, like, creep, <laughs> old creepy guys in a band. Like, they... <laughs> Every band's got to play. I remember with thinking it. you guys were sick. I'd fucking Casa de Sweezy. Might be because that was the show with the fill in drummer. <laughs> I'm always ragging Shots on our drummer. Oh, yeah, I'm always ragging on our drummer with Buckshot. Amazing. <laughs> or uh, uh, pro wrestling death metal legends Thundertaker. At, uh, yes. Well, <laughs> an even flow. Even flow. And you guys, I mean, you guys played our last show with Exemption. Uh, as Ultra Geist at the Charleston. You guys played our last show. Oh, shit. Oh, no shit. The Charleston. Excuse I remember yeah. Charleston. Excuse me, I was fucked up. That was Exemption's last show. Yeah, that was, that was guys, pretty fucked up. Really? In the basement? Yeah. In that little oh, basement? Yeah, in that little basement. Was that the Dantachku? Daikaiju. Daikaiju, yeah. They played that? Interesting surf metal, yeah. That's right. That was a sweaty place with uh, some good pizza upstairs. It smelled like poo-poo a little bit down there. <laughs> I think it's Charles issue or something. Yeah, but. it's still there, but it doesn't do shows in the basement anymore. Yeah. Probably because of that. Probably make more money from our show. This. That was a hazard. <laughs> so um, <laughs> let me ask you guys. Now you're transitioning. Um, we're, we're a little over the map, but like starting Moontooth, uh, John and Vinny, how do you get them involved? Well, we knew um, we knew John because. Uh, Nick was playing in a band with him, Rice Cultivation Society, which is our friend Derek. Um, he's kind of the brainchild for that band. So we knew him before that. I saw him, I think it was a show at Don Pedro. I saw him singing his own solo stuff, or Sunk Hole, I think. And then I was like, I knew him before that. I just had no idea what he sounded like, what his voice sounded like. I, I heard like this like super old, like amazing blues singer. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And then I walk in, and it's John. I had no idea he sang like that, because I just never heard his voice. So it was like, immediately just like, it just broke my heart. And I just, <laughs> I was like, I needed to, I need to have this man. Yeah, I, I met John, Sam, I met John as a drummer. Um, I joined, yeah, Rice Cultivation Society as our buddy Derek Smith's band, or his, his old band. And uh, yeah. he put out four, five, six records. Um, it's very um, progressive indie, but like... All over the place, very, very cool music. Um, and I started playing guitar for him, and John was playing drums. And we'd become friends really quickly, playing a lot of shows. He would be coming to exemption shows, we'd be playing shows together. And then he gave me his EP, which now is called Sun Cole, but his solo project was at the time Sun Abernock. Oh. And uh, I was like, you know, I had never even heard him sing, and he had all these layered vocals over this like beautiful kind of like lo fi music. And I was like, what the fuck, you know? Um, I didn't even know like that he sang at all, let alone that he had this like amazing voice. And he did this whole DIY recording. I was very impressed. And then when Exemption broke up, he sent me a message that was basically like, "Hey, uh, I know you got to figure this out, but uh, I'm the guy. You know, like, <laughs> okay. I'll take your time or whatever, but I'm the guy. Okay? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Confidence. I like that. Yeah. So and once you get that message, you're like, all right, well. Yeah. Because I was just, he's yeah, the guy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that made it easy. You know. Like, like, we were already thinking about it. Or. I, I, it's hard to remember the exact pieces, but I was already thinking about it. Maybe it was before or after the message. I don't know. But And then Vin saw us. We opened up for the Misfits, so the Crazy Donkey, R.I.P. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. mm -hmm. God bless. And that was his, like, I think literally his first show. It was his first yeah. show in general, and he saw us play this that. This was for Exemption when yeah, we were exemption. 15 mm -hmm. or 16. Vin was at that show, hadn't yeah. even picked up the bass yet. And we were, like, first of, like, eight locals. Yeah, know, like, and then the well, misfits. So crazy yeah. 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 Club loaded club loaded loaded. Just yeah, let's <laughs> throw a bunch of these fucking bands, make them sell fifty tickets and there'll be there'll be some people there. Cool. Oh yeah. Oh. The old sell a sell a couple mm -hmm. of tickets yeah. to get on. Just give me yeah. five hundred dollars and you can play. The parents will buy yeah. drinks. 
Yeah. <laughs> so just to recap quickly for the listeners, for uh, Moontooth fans who are listening or for people who are exploring Moontooth um, for the first time, it's fair to say that Exemption and what was the other bit? Rice... I don't want to say it wrong. Cultivation Society. Rice Cultivation. I would have said it right. Rice Cultivation Society. <laughs> uh, those are bands that people can kind of backtrack if they want to explore maybe like a history like leading up yeah. to Moon Tooth and what you guys were, were doing. All right. So so uh, so go on. I just wanted to. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. And, and you should. Because, I mean, like, there's <laughs> amazing music. Well, there's a there, lot of music you know? to get into. Yeah. 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 Sure. It's, it's yeah. like, it sounds like I'm a, you know, toot my own horn here. But both of those bands are, are, are no more. So it's, it'd be cool if people went back and. Yeah. Made sure to listen because you know all that work and time, and then a band breaks up, and the people that were there know, you know. Tell me because I mean it, I yeah. look at Rice Cultivation. So I played guitar for the band for six years, but I oh, never. Shit. I always look at it from a an outside perspective still because it wasn't <clears> my music. I, I definitely like feel like I added to it with my writing and guitar playing, but it was like to look at those songs uh, from the outside perspective of like uh, a fan, you know, and. Yeah. Anyway, I played bass in that band for, for one show, I think. And drums for a show. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was the show that, uh... Oops. John was late for. <laughs> he was, like, stuck in traffic trying to get trying to get back from his job. He had a very shitty day. And I kind of just went up there and uh, just played all the songs from memory <laughs> for the first time. Oh, okay. And it went okay. It went pretty well. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty good. And then it, and it was actually... Moontooth was supposed to play also, and we did. And we went on without him. And it sounds like we're making this up, but he literally, like, we just were like, I was like, what are like, we going to do? Like, right, so we got to go on. He can't make it. I and mean, he got totally screwed by his job and traffic. It wasn't, like, all his fault or anything yeah, like that. He wasn't being a dick about but, it. But, like, yeah. we nailed the free going to Ebflow, and I swear to God, he jumped that fucking thing at Broadway, that, like, little window to the stage they have there at AMH now. Yeah. At the oh, yeah, yeah. It was Broadway, I think, or it was, maybe it was AMH. But he, like, literally jumped on right for the first verse. Like, I went to sing it, and he, like... Like he knocked me out of the way. The thing is, like he just made it. It's magical. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It. And parking there is rough, so that, you know, adding yeah. to that story. Yeah, you know, just if you want to be in those shoes. Oh, he left his car in the middle of the fucking one ten. Yeah. We, so we've, before I dive into any more Moontooth, like um, uh, the the chronological history, I kind of want to dive into your individual projects and other things you got going on. So um, first, I want to talk about Ray. Yeah. Your your gig. Uh, working at Westfall Studio, or rather, you're a partner there, correct? Yeah, it's me and Anthony Lopardo. We've been um, working together for 10 years now, or yeah, about that. We started together when we were like 19 years old, like officially, at a facility which was Kellingsworth Studio at the times, mm -hmm. at the time, and um, that led to a name change to Westfall and a facility change in about 2009, and then we took it over uh, about five years ago. And that's so it's our our business officially after that. So yeah, we've been uh, doing studio work together forever. Been we've known each other since the early days, since we've been thirteen. Um, yeah, currently Westfall Recording Company, Farmingdale. Yeah, and um, I mean, uh, not not to throw any anyone any spoilers out that you don't want to, but is there any like projects you're working on right now? Any bands you're working with that you're you're really into? Um. I mean, yeah. Well, as f I mean, as far as releases that just came out, Johnny Booth just put out a record which we worked on for for a while. They kind of like split their record up into two different parts and recorded it at different times. It came out fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. We're really yeah, really that, proud of that. The new Johnny Booth records really. Yeah, Nick good. was featured on a song uh, for the record. So well, that besides was, that part, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, that shit came out great. Uh, Monochromatic Black just put out um, put out a few songs two days ago, three days ago. So that yeah, that's pretty cool. Came out fucking great. 
Uh, Valence, another cool band we recorded recently to put out the record um, a few weeks ago. As far as what we're working on right now, um, this band Martyred, um, I've been mixing. They started the record like years ago, and like there was like uh, kind of <clears throat> member changes and issues and you know personal stuff that kind of led the record to be put on hold for a while, but it's finally getting mixed, and I'm super excited about it. It's coming out really fucking good. Sick thrash metal. Yeah. Nice. Thrashy prog, Marty Freeman type of shit. Really, yeah. Nice. Awesome guitar playing. Cool. I mean, it, it, it's uh, it's got to be quite the experience dealing with uh, having having bands come in and you know you have a a studio etiquette and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I'm sure. I'm, you're dealing with people who are have no idea what the hell you're doing. You're doing magic, yeah. though, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, with that, do you, like, any band experiences where um, you don't have to name names or anything like that, but, like, shit that just caught you off guard, like, dealing with a band that maybe you want to tell other bands <laughs> like, that are listening to, like, 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 know bad, about this? Like, bad studio etiquette? Yeah, how yeah. not take notes if you're going into the studio? Yeah, how not to do this? This, this is how not to piss somebody off. Well, yeah, unless long... you want to use names, unless you want to fuck someone up. That's This is a publication. <laughs> we don't. We can't endorse everything. Yeah, exactly. Can you plus up my volume on this track, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there's, like, if people don't come in and they don't know their songs, <laughs> I feel like it seems pretty obvious, but... That happens. Practice your riffs. Exactly. Just practice your songs. And it's like, there's always, I'm sorry, but it's got to be the bass player. A lot of times where it's like, I'm in pre pro and the bass player is just looking over the guitar player super slowly, just trying to look at him like, what the fuck, Fred, is that? Yeah, because you know he keeps turning his volume down. Yeah, he just just lowers the volume super slowly. And it's just like, I have to like stop pre pro and like, hey man, so about that, like, that little part that's like from the beginning to the end, like, do you know what the, you know what that is? (laughs) Yeah, 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 I'm just, I'm just trying to figure it out. (laughs) Man. Yeah, so 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 there's that. Um, And then generally, if you're a dick, that's not good. <laughs> it's like yeah. I, if you're if you play the most amazing music in the world and you're an asshole, it's not going to reflect good on your producer. Like you're not going to want to make your sh- their shit sound good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like obvious when it's coming out of my mouth, but even if somebody is not the greatest musician or like if they're just super easy to work with, I'll just I'll just be more into working on the music just because yeah. it's, it's just it's just fun. You know, it's nice working <laughs> with them. But if somebody's also really good and they're a good person, that's the best. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. the ideal. Strive yeah, but, for that, everybody. But there was uh, uh, this one guy. Should I say the original, the guy of the guy? Mm, Probably that's not. That's not you, man. All right, so it's it's uh, the guy who was the original singer of some band that's famous. Um, there you go. It's definitely yeah, Vince Yeah, exactly. Neal. So it's definitely Vince Neal. We're deep in the hole. <laughs> We're deep in the hole right now. It's definitely Jimmy If it Page. was Vince Neal, I'd say say it. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is so. it Vince Neal? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Alright, we did good. Yeah, but he, uh... <laughs> Is it John Mellencamp? He read... Oh, <laughs> one one crazy story. He, like, came in the studio, he's just dripping sweat, and he has, like... A, like, you know those gigantic big gulps from 7-Eleven? Like, the old school ones that The are team just, gulps. Yeah, just like a gallon gulp. <laughs> yeah, I was very excited when I said that. <laughs> the team, team gulps! Okay. So he had, a t- he had a team gulp of coffee, and he just... He screwed it on so tight that he just couldn't get it off. Mm. So he's just like, hold on, hold on, man. I just gotta fucking go and get this shit off. Uh, I'll be back in a few minutes. And I was just like, well, we have to, you have to leave and we're gonna wrap up in like an hour. Like, where you? He's like, I'll be right back. He, he leaves for an hour and a half. And we're trying to call him. We have no idea where the fuck this guy is. He comes back 
and he just he went to like a mechanics place that's somewhere around the corner because we're around in like industrial area with a lot of mechanics. He's like, I borrowed a fucking snap-on wrench from this guy, and I fucking got it off, and I drank the whole thing. I'm fucking ready to go. I was like, all right, well, we're supposed to wrap up at six, and it's six thirty now, so I gotta, I gotta go home. And he was just like, oh man. Uh, sorry, he's just like, all right, well, well, next time, you know, let's let's try to, you know, get some shit done. I'm like, oh, well, well, <laughs> that's what we were trying to do, <laughs> yeah. and then you disappeared for a fucking hour and a half on doing uh, coke or whatever you're doing. Next time, don't take 45 minutes to open your coffee. Yeah, and he was just <laughs> sweating and like big dude, and he had like little gray like. Like sweaty titties going on. Oh, oh, tell oh, now they know it's me. You had to go there. That's why that buckshot's taking so long. <laughs> My favorite story from that particular project was when you were playing drums and guitar and bass on this fucking thing. Oh, yeah. oh, and uh, on top everything. of engineering it and producing it. And when he were doing drums, he would sing fills to you. Oh, yeah. Like, it needs to be like, bish, bish, bada, bish, 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 bish. <laughs> and he would sing this thing, and Ray would do it as close as he possibly could, right? And then he would be like, no, nah, no. It's got to be it. like, bada, 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 bish, bish, and just change it every time. It was like, never the dude, like, same. had no grasp on reality, <laughs> yeah. essentially. So trying to make his album, and it, you finished it, and it hasn't come out yet. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, yeah, I finished it, and, like, I recorded bass in the whole thing, note for note. Because, like, he's saying all of his all the bass parts to me as I'm playing it. I play it, like, I do something, I work on it for a while, and he's like, yeah, it's cool, I love it. But actually, no, like, can you try something like... Just sing this whole thing to me? And I, I play it, and I'll be like, oh, are you singing a C, or is that a, is that a D? And he was just like, yeah, it's a D. And I, I was like, all right, play the piano, ding, and then play the D, and then do the fucking scale, whatever you're singing. He's I fucking love it. Comes in the next day, he's like, what the fuck did you do to my record? And I was like, what are you talking about? He was just like, none of this makes any sense. I don't know where the fuck you were when you recorded this. I was like, we did it together. You, you sang, I have a video of you singing it to wow. me. He's like, that no, never happened. Mm -hmm. He's like, we need to redo all this bass. I was like, all right, that's, we're not going to do that, but. <laughs> and, then he, and then he left, and then. That Frank Mullen solo album. <laughs> no, allegedly, come on. Oh, my goodness. I'm choking around here. <laughs> Yeah, fucking Bono is really hard to work with. Oh, man. He's super tough. Oh, he said the name. Well, yeah, we got to be vague, but also, you know, Meatloaf's rough. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry I did that to you, but I'm sorry. Um, yes. So that's pretty much your it's day a brief job. story. Yeah, that's, that, all, that's all I do. All yeah. I do is record music and play music. This is the pain. Which, which is great because um, you recorded the Freak CP and you recorded mm -hmm. uh, the Chrome Parrot. Paragon, right? Chroma Paragon, yeah, yes. it's a thick word, but... <laughs> yeah, it's just thick. Very thick word. But From yeah, opera, you, um, really great production on that. Thank you. Like, killer stuff. And all over the place with uh, different, different like, strange instruments just coming out of nowhere. Yeah, like, there's a didgeridoo on there. Yeah, <laughs> accordion, right? Isn't there? Is there accordion? I don't that know if we did accordion. Stuff. That's, there's an accordion on the rabbit hole? The first record that Exemption put out? No accordion on Chroma Paragon. Okay. Okay, I'm thinking a little something else. Maybe, maybe I'm just doing a great job here and opening your mind. <laughs> <laughs> there's All a right. lot of weird. There's a lot of weird guitar sounds that sound like everything. Yeah. That like Nick just came up with. And yeah, Nick, know, you do work with the guitar pedal. You, you really do. Yeah, I mean, I, when we record, we there's only one guitar in the band, but when we record, we don't care about that part. Yeah. You know, oh, we yeah. figure that <laughs> out later. Whatever, yeah, <laughs> whatever guitar has got to get on there. And yeah, that's part of the fun of recording. Um. I actually want to ask you about 
the whole like your guitar career is kind of interesting on its own because you also play in Riot, which mm-hmm. is like uh, what well, I, I guess like '80s thrash style um, power metal. Power metal. That's power on. metal. Yeah. I mean power metal. Yeah. The I mean they started in '77, so the first few records were like um, just like old school like hard rock. Um, it's like fantastic kiss. More like Ray- everything in the seventies is kiss to me, so that's why. I no, say. more like more like Rainbow and like, uh, I mean, at the Deep Purple, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, that kind of style. I mean, uh, UFO as as a big one, Scorpions, that kind of stuff. And then they went through. So they had like a an initial very um, successful time where they opened for they opened for Deep Purple. They were on the Rush Moving Pictures tour. They were on a bunch of big tours. Um, they're from Brooklyn, you know. Kind of came up in Brooklyn, and then uh, weird, kind of. I mean, a bunch of member changes. Really, kind of classic bad management producer combo scenario. Never saw any money from any of those records, so everybody was constantly leaving. Lineups were constantly changing. Right. Um, and they put some records out in the '80s that were hard rock, but 1988 they put out Thundersteel, which is like if you're if you're from if you're from anywhere that's not America, basically, that's like uh, power metal. Like in its infancy, like that's kind of what all the Europeans and Japanese credit to being one of the first, like, technical power metal records. Because yeah, um, Riot does have a huge following in, in Europe, where they're a lot more receptive. Germany to, and like, yeah, around metal Europe in general and, is just a little more, especially in Germany. Yeah, there. yeah. yeah. Uh, so how how do you get this gig? Uh, my guitar teacher growing up was um, has been in Riot since 1989, and. Uh, so I mean, the the guy that was Riot was Mark Reale, the original guitar player who was there from '77 until he died in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike's been in the band since 1989. Um, him and the they had just it's it's a very convoluted story, but that they had just had this big reunion with their '80s lineup, which is the big lineup for that power metal era. Mm-hmm. And not long after they did that, and they started they got kind of back on top. They put a new record out called Immortal Soul, which was was a big deal for them, and they started doing like they did like Sweden Rock like they started doing really big festivals again um, Mark died not long after that from complications with Crohn's disease and just bad state of circumstances overall very kind of like untimely tragic death um, and a few years later they decided to do a tour and continue on with the band with a slightly different name they kind of in tribute to Mark um, so the uh, Mike, who was my guitar teacher since I was six years old, you know, I'd grown up taking lessons from him. Uh, ended up working at his music school and, and just, you know, basically part of my family. When they decided to keep it to to do a tour and maybe a record, he asked me to to play, yeah. essentially fill his spot, and then he took Mark's spot. Right, like you were just kind of a you were a natural, like naturally in line because you're dealing with someone who has been playing in the band you know his material um he yeah he knows you he, he taught me you. how to play guitar yeah he taught me like okay this is the e string right mm-hmm. this you is know? like the, it's like the karate kid yeah pretty <laughs> wow. much well, something weird about that too is he was 24 when he joined riot in 1989 the year i was born i was 24 when i joined riot <laughs> whoa Oh, yeah, no. I'm and shaking even, right now. It's, it's <laughs> the chosen it's one, beautiful, so, yeah. Story, yeah. metal lore, right now it's there. Been yeah. Five years, I've been with them. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, and you're doing, you're touring a lot. Uh, well, as often as they are with uh, in Germany and stuff like that, and doing doing like festival shows, right? 
Yeah, we, we, for the first few years, we would do like the festival circuit in Germany, uh, you know, in Europe and uh, Japan too. Tokyo mm-hmm. uh, loves Riot, you know. Yeah. Still taken very, seri- very seriously over there. Big you know, Japan. play go I play beautiful theater to two thousand people, and then go play in like Arizona <laughs> at like a strip mall to like twenty people, <laughs> like yeah. to barely even know the band. Did you? It's uh, like the range of what I've experienced with them. Did yeah. you just play on a boat? We just did the seventy thousand tons of metal. How was that, man? It's really sick. I've done it. This is the second time I've done it. It's a crazy party. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I've never even been on a cruise, so to go on a cruise that was all metal the first time I did it was 2015 and I was just like completely like in like I couldn't even believe my life at the time you know I went and saw saw Cannibal Corpse I saw Napalm Death twice I saw Behemoth I saw Venom I saw on a fucking boat in the middle of the ocean like all these bands that were like you know like I'm never gonna see that band almost you know like you know maybe I'll get lucky one day and see like Venom you know but like that's not coming through. I mean, I guess it would come through New York, but you know, it's just when, are you, when is yeah. that gonna work out? All at once. Uh, and then yeah. municipal waste. Yeah. Yeah, man. yeah. And just meet. And the big thing with that boat, it's probably like a thousand bucks if you want, just for the ticket. If you want to go, I don't even know. Like, what the we're thinking about that Patreon for Heavy Hole. You know, just get us on there, <laughs> yes, and then yes. we give you the skinny. You know, those avenues <laughs> are dipping. there. Get us on the boat and a free sticker. Yep. I wish I could. I got to. I bring. I brought my girl on this one. The last one we did, and it was like a free vacation for her. The only thing with the band is like you know you get you know you get your room, room and stuff, right? but you do not get your bar. So like you you don't get no uh, drinks for free. So that's where they get you. That's where they get you. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> that's why I say this. This is for the real degenerates out there. You got to go get that Listerine bottle <laughs> and you empty it without without breaking the top. Yeah. On the bottom, you like just pin it out, let it drain over your sink for a half hour, come back up, fill it with that vodka. <laughs> I got a good. You plug it up with a little rubber cement or something. They're not going to tell you not to keep that mouth clean. That's that's a lot of work. If you want, I'm selling I'm selling discounted tickets right now for the 18 feet of metal tour cruise, Huntington Harbor on my dad's 18 foot Boston Whaler. I got a boombox. We're going to be playing Dismember. We're gonna be playing Carnage. Can we do it's the all section. Come this, on, man. this year's all Swedish death metal. I told you, I oh, sorted right. out the tape collection this weekend. We <laughs> could probably be... afford that one. Yeah, yeah man. It's, it's all tapes. I only sell two tickets because it's, it's a small boat. Okay, right? Sold out every year. Yeah. Can I buy duty free cigarettes? I'm on talking that to place? the lobster yeah. guys and the clam rakers in Huntington Harbor to see if they could like get a, like a little boat, you know, uh, caravan going. In you guys like Huntington raw Harbor. fish? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I derailed the whole thing. My we're going right. to stop at Prime, and we're not going to buy anything. <laughs> you got to go through, like, customs when you get on the, on that boat, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, it's in, at least from Miami, so we had all had to fly from New York. And actually, the first time we did it, uh, they let us rehearse on the boat, which was weird, because I remember being, like, playing and feeling like like the rock of the boat at one <laughs> point. So really weird. But um, the destination on that first one we did was Jamaica. Right. So as soon as you get off the boat, we got up late, of course. So as soon as you get off the boat, the beach that's like right there is just like mobbed. You know, you can't even see sand. There's so many people on it. So like, and there's all these cab drivers that are like, "Hey, Bob Marley, Bob Marley." You know what I mean? They're trying to like lure you in. So we just went with one of those. Don't listen to dying fetus down here. That we, they took us to this private beach. We bought a bag of weed that was like the size of my fucking head, and uh, we just brought it back on the boat and. Uh, we smoked these this awesome Jamaican weed, which was super mellow and just homegrown stuff, and mm. it was really nice for the rest of the cruise. So it's docking, 
and we're like, oh fuck, we gotta. We still had so much left. We tried to give some away or whatever. But we still have so much left. So they ended up just by the elevator on the way out, just threw it all in the garbage by the elevator. <laughs> get to the airport. So much snow all down the east coast that we couldn't even get on a plane. We had to take an Amtrak all the way home, all crammed in like a car together. Like, and this time, I had like the child bed above the other people, you know? And all I could think you the whole the way- You are the youngest in the band. The only, the only, the only thing I could think the whole way home was like, I gotta just put that weed in my bag. I didn't have to go on an airplane. I could have smoked it this whole shitty Amtrak ride home. Yeah, it's, it's, it's allegedly easy to get it on the Amtrak. Yeah. <laughs> You guys have been very busy touring as Moontooth and doing like short runs and all over the place. Justin was telling me about something with Dennis Rodman. Oh yeah, hey, what happened? What Dennis, happened in yeah. LA, man? Dennis yeah. Rodman experience. I was on our tour with Husbandry, uh, as our one of our uh, headlining tours that we went out to the West Coast for, and we it was at this uh, show in LA. Is that the that was a Viper Room, and uh, we thought it was going to be terrible because it's like the day before um the day of the show they were like yeah i think we're just gonna make it free yeah just because it was like <laughs> it just wasn't happening i guess i hadn't I heard know. from the promoter at all and then like the day of the show it's like hey like anybody who emails us can get on the guest list which oh. is you know it's we were like great awesome that means <laughs> like you know people might actually come to this show mm -hmm. but um it, it ended up being like one of the better shows of that tour it was like on the end of the last album cycle we did this headlining tour uh, we kind of were hesitant to do it, and uh, but it was a good experience. But uh, you know, two weeks out to the West Coast and back, there's a lot of driving, mm -hmm. just yeah. like places we haven't played that many times. This but, is uh, this something you booked? Uh, no, this was uh, we were with an agency for cool. uh, 16 and 17, so this was like the end of that time. Um, and like, so the headlining tour came about. It was like kind of the end of an album cycle. Maybe not the best time to do it, but uh, anyway, we it, it was you know we get out to LA. Some good shows, some pretty bad shows. We're in LA. We're like, all right, cool. There's people here. There's a few people here. It's mm -hmm. gonna be a good show, but it is what it is. You know, we're just playing our set. You know, and uh, my the bass player from uh, Husbandry who's opening for us, Arnell, he, he comes up and he like writes. He's writing in Sharpie on my set list, and I'm like, wow, this dude's fucking hammered. And uh, I look down and it says Dennis Rodman wants to sing a song. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, this dude's really fucking hammered, right? <laughs> And then I catch out of the corner of my eye, like, this big cloud of smoke. And, like, there's a guy smoking a cigar. There's, like, a really tall guy in a big jacket smoking a cigar with some girl next to him. You looked really homeless, for the record. At least from, <laughs> from my a, perspective. From afar, yeah. From the <laughs> from stage. From the drums. But, uh, I, I put together who it is. We finished the song, and, and our, our singer, John, is like, ladies and gentlemen, of course, you know, Dennis Robin, And, uh, gets a big round of applause. And I went over and tried to shake his hand. He looked at me. And I had my hand out, and he went like, "There it is. There's my hand." Shook his hand, and then he got on stage. He, he was this... reluctant to shake your hand. I think he just didn't put together that I was like really there. That was the look I got in return. I was just looking dead in the eyes, and I just didn't, I didn't see any like recognition <laughs> that I was even standing there. He's like, "I just got introduced. Why are you on my stage? Right now? <laughs> this is this is the NWO's Dennis Rodman." I mean. <laughs> I was still putting this all, all right. together, so I left out an important detail that, like, while I was, you know, head down, hitting pedals and playing a guitar solo and not really paying it so much attention, Dennis Rodman had made it rain $100 in singles, and he just <laughs> it broke 100 at the bar and just made it rain on us during one of our songs, and uh, came on stage, gave this speech, 
that it's on YouTube if you really want to go check it out. It's um, pretty good and speech. Then he started singing Three Little Birds by Bob Marley, and the whole crowd started joining in. And Ray just started, he just started keeping the backbeat. Yeah. And he sang like the first verse and chorus of Three Little Birds together. And I was like playing the, it was like the second to last song, I think, or ish. Something and then, like that, yeah. So I'm finishing the set like, man, I might get to meet Dennis Rodman. Yeah, he was gone. <laughs> yeah, he was he like bounced. immediately yeah. gone after that. Because I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Wow. I was, I was playing drums and I just see money rain down on the kit on my drum set as I'm playing. I thought it was, I thought somebody was fucked with this. I thought they just like, had Monopoly money or something. That's your guarantee, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just like, who the fuck is this? I was like, looking around, I had no idea what was going on, because like, I didn't see the note, and then I didn't see him at first, I just saw some guy in a big coat smoking a cigar. <laughs> I thought he, I thought that was just his home, like, that was just like his coat that he slept in. <laughs> but then, and then, further glance, it was a nice fur coat. <laughs> and it was Dennis Robin. But wow. smoking yeah. a cigar inside. So you yeah. just wanted to come in the middle of your set and sing some Bob Marley. I yeah. think he, he just kind of wanders and parties. I think he doesn't anymore. <laughs> Not long after that, he got sober publicly. So. It was our fault. We were the, yeah, it was our fault. You know. <laughs> was our he show. just wants everyone to remember the '96 Bulls. I'm forgetting that this is being recorded. But uh, I, I remember that. I remember that night. The, looking at all these videos that our friends were sending us, we wanted to post something. Of course, we're very excited about it, but uh, we were like, "What's not put the whole speech on there? We don't want to be like dicks and be like embarrassing him, you know, in some way." And then, but I woke up and like first thing I look at my phone, metal sucks. Like Dennis Rodman at the <laughs> Moon Two show, entire speech with the song and everything. I mean, I don't know this speech. I'm going to obviously look at this speech when I go home, and we're going to post it on the social media accompanying this episode. But I don't know this speech, but you wouldn't be embarrassed. He's the one who got up on stage. <laughs> we just felt bad. Like, I we want to, like, well, I mean, I know he did it, but yeah. we want to, like, promote it if it didn't. The guy's been, like, wearing dresses and marrying Madonna and this going to North Korea. And it's like he's your the least friend. of his words, you know, I guess, at the end of the day. You're not going to embarrass him. He's kind of out there. You yeah, know, he had hooked up Hogwild 98. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Dennis Rodman's everyone's friend. And Apparently. Like, that's that's what happens. You know, I, your friend gets drunk I mean, and they say some shit. That, and you... that moment made that tour worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least we got that. <laughs> wow. Dude, that's something else. We bought, a, our bass player bought a little Dennis Rodman, like, stuffed, like, action figure thing, you know, like, mm -hmm. this little, like, kind of... I don't know how to describe it, but he put it in his base rig for. It's in one of the videos. It's in one of the videos. It's in one of the videos. I won't tell <laughs> you which one. Some of that one. good Go juju going, Dennis Juju. Whenever he starts playing on the upbeat, that's that's Rodman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, the worm. That that Dennis Rodman's your best friend. He contacts you all the time. Yes. Uh, I know that like John gets like crazy, like your vocalist goes nuts. That's a crazy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I know it. I even know. Um, what are some predicaments that? I'm not. Mm. Are you talking about going crazy like in a live setting? Like a live setting. Like he's live. performing. Like he's not like, going crazy. No, John. John's a mild-mannered individual. I like talking to that man. <laughs> well, yeah, I, you talked to yeah. him a few times. <laughs> he's he's not he's not well, like he's not gonna slash my tires. Kind of crazy. No, no. But like on stage, slash he does some soul. he does some ridiculous shit, and he puts on the show with you guys. On stage, he might slash your tires. If you park on stage, he might. It, no, actually, but, he might go out. He's he's been out in parking lots before. Like he'll run off the stage and go outside and like 
rock out for a little bit and then come back on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Has, has he ever compromised show. like a moon tooth set just by getting too into he, it? He almost got thrown out of the <laughs> Chroma Paragon album release show at Vitus because he ran from the Gosh, stage. It wasn't planned or anything. He ran from the stage and tried to like uh, Pee Wee Herman dance across the bar at Vitus, <laughs> I think. Or maybe yeah. slide across it. He tried to do something wow. silly. Wow. It's hard to get knocked over a glass. They didn't know. The bartenders and some of the staff didn't know us as well at the time or at all at the time and they were like trying to kick him out and I think Dave Castillo he was, was just like, like hey like, he's no no he's there. in the band you gotta put him back <laughs> <laughs> it was like I didn't know we know none of us knew about this till after the show there was a yeah. time in South Carolina on an early tour where he hopped over the bar with this nerf ninja sword he used to run out in the song Ed Flo is the first song on the EP there's a long instrumental section so back in you know early days John used to always use that as a time to do something crazy and uh, at one point we had this nerf sword that was like three feet long ridiculous looking thing and he used to just go out and like slay people like he used to just come up and just cut your throat and like stab you or whatever but he was joking around you know we never hurt anybody it's just like when you're playing a show where people are looking at you like what the fuck is this and like he would just get to that level where okay like this is fun I'm, uh, I'm sure there's one guy out this. there that really took it way too seriously <laughs> yeah. well, oh god he, he made the mistake of hopping over the bar yeah and, uh, with the sword. Yeah, with the sword. The bartender doesn't know who the fuck this guy is. And <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. whatever, he slunk back to the stage at some point. We finished the first song. We were like, ah, oh, that, we, I think I can tell, you know, you could tell with your bands, like, that went well, you know, everybody feels <laughs> yeah, good. good. Finish the first song, sound guy kills the PA. First of all, I remember that's the first thing he said, and I was like, oh, we fucked up. <laughs> and what he said was, first of all, the guitar's way too loud. Second of all, you're lucky your singer just didn't get shot with a fucking shotgun from jumping across the bar because the bartender literally like went to reach for it and oh, knowing no. that this crazy yeah. fucking guy from New York who he's never seen before just jumped over his bar with a sword or some object he just saw out of the corner of his eye. So Screaming at the bartender, it's nerf or nothing. <laughs> we got so many of those. I got some funny video. We played this shot-ass show in like New Paltz or Kingston, and John just ran outside and just started directing traffic, like literally went into the highway <laughs> and just started like slowing down cars and like letting other people go. This is good it's, advice if uh, if you can't afford to get into a mood tooth show or it's too packed out <laughs> or something like that, just stand on the street and maybe, maybe, maybe follow John in. Part of it. It's gotten less, I guess, as time's yeah. gone on and, and you just got tired of hearing about it, maybe. And the fourth show, <laughs> what, the, the slap-ass show? Oh. Oh, yeah, that was a... So, uh, should we... I, I, I'll skip the venue, I guess. Um, so he... <laughs> yeah, so... We're on stage. John thinks he thinks it's one of our friends, so he just goes over. And oh wait, wait, wait! No. Sh- sh- all right, so John knocks a over a microphone okay, on the so snare drum because he's being a crazy person. <laughs> the sound guy who looks just has the same exact build as our buddy Andy, who played drums for a band Beyond the Throne that we play with down there all the time, and become our good friends. Same looking person from behind, you know, as the sound guy. So when the sound guy comes up to fix the mic. And he, John just turns around and sees this guy who he thinks is Andy on the stage bent over fixing something and just just gives him the worst, like, whale on the ass slap. Okay. <laughs> While you guys are playing. Thinking so it's our buddy who's going to come around, turn around and, like, just pick him up and choke him or something, and they're going to laugh about it. Mm-hmm. Sound guy goes back to the board, kills the PA. <laughs> the <rest laughs> Number two kill PA. The rest of the wow. set. Wow. And John is like, he's so, he feels so bad. He wouldn't mean to do that, you know? And then he's apologizing. He's like, dude, I'm so, I really thought you were our friend. I would never do that because we would never like assault a a staff member. 
you know, like, especially in that scenario. And, uh, yeah, he didn't turn it back on. And John just <laughs> sang the rest of the set with no PA. He just, like, went in the crowd and screamed at people's faces. It felt least horrible. As much as he could do. Yeah. I we mean, all apologized, and he got over it, kind of. If he did that in South Carolina, it might have might have really got. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're kind of lucky. Well, Virginia, yeah, yeah. that was Virginia. Oh, okay. Was I, I was thinking <laughs> you said fourth show. I was thinking you were still uh, Long Island. You know, all right. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, just don't slap ass in the South. Quickly, nope. while while we're talking about, his, we know we're kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Other people don't always know that. <laughs> I, you said it's kind of toned down a little bit uh, over the years, but I I, I mentioned before you guys um, buckshot facelift played with you guys uh, in the early years twice, and one of those was at the Casa de Sweezy house in right. Century Selden area, yeah. and um, it was like a house show, basement uh, shows. And I remember Buckshot Face, we were like packing up, uh, you know, amps or guitars or something outside in the little dirt parking area. And you guys had like had like been, you know, playing or whatever. And I see him run up. And I, I, was, I was like, oh, you know, I thought maybe a string broke or like, you know, it's like he's like getting looking for gear or something. And he, I, th- I think he just like ran up just to like check things out and like run back down. He's like going around the house and shit, man, you know, and then he he's, like, he's like, like people we, up and bring yeah. them back to the show. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Outside smoking or something. But you, you guys talked about you, you said you first saw him perform singing at Don Pedro's, right? When you when you first saw him sing. And, and, you, and it was and yes. like, was he was did he have that kind of stage antic then or like how no, does. It was, yeah, it was it was very like calm and collected he was kind of just like he was hanging out he had the, i remember it he had he had, had his hands in his pockets and he was just singing these they were, they were very like soft songs yeah i guess relatively yeah. to what we do but yeah it was i've we've we kind of like just fucked him up you electrified <laughs> him with your music and it, we just ruined him and it just made him to an animal I guess. yeah so yeah yeah i mean the guy's like a, express his true true feelings yeah yeah he's 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 like a He's electric, man. Yeah. 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 He definitely like uh, in, embodies the the energy and the spirit of the show, and tries to incorporate that into his actual performance. You know, and that's it's uh, everything has always been about like get the people loose, get them yeah, into it. Because I respect it. Yeah. You're playing this weird thing, and it's like, what are what are people really? What, what are you going to do to that music? Well, if I was watching it, I would probably headbang and like kind of rock. Uh, like in my place or whatever but most of the time you're playing to a stiff uh, as a bored audience and mm. you know just trying to get them to loosen up has always been the mission you know and that's why like we love playing shows like we're definitely about playing shows for that reason that's the same reason like I'll jump on my cab my mm. fucking front of my calves by the end of tour are destroyed because I just <laughs> run as fast as I can to my cab and like climb onto it with my calves mm. and it's like you know Ray's flailing around and that all just came from the uh just indifference in the audience, especially in Long Island, especially yeah. playing hardcore yeah, and death metal shows where we were yeah. just like the weirdo, you know, I don't even want to use the words that were probably used against us at the time, you know. I remember being at, at a show opening for a band with Exemption. Ray was wearing this striped shirt, and I <laughs> saw a kid say, that kid, striped shirt right there. You know, we just played a show. <laughs> we just played in one of the bands. And he went after him in the pit just because it was like that breakdown with the China's going, dude. That's right. the one where I'm gonna fucking hit that kid <laughs> in the striped shirt. And it was right. Yeah, it sounds like, pretty Long Island. Yeah. That was our way of being like, you're gonna, f- you're gonna get into this with us. You know, you'll yeah, find a way. You're not gonna to punch somebody it. to yeah. it. But mm-hmm. you're putting on the show whether they're like there to see it or not, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. So that's just that inspired John to just be running all over the fucking. Especially place. coming yeah. from the like, yeah, this area, Long Island, New York. It's like you have. You have a lot of people that do that, just like board, stiff as a board, like mm-hmm. arms folded attitude, and you just want to make them move. 
people, yeah. people yeah. are waiting for yeah. the two steps and they're waiting for the yeah. breakdown and exactly. that's it. It's and like, what, what else you got? Shock them a little bit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They just don't know what to do with their bodies. Yeah, dude. I, I, I don't, do uh, with them. Yeah, I, I don't get as much cardio as your singer, but I, I try to get, <laughs> I try to interact with the crowd as much as I can. I think it comes from a similar purpose, like, you know, a similar, similar history, like, you know, growing up on Long Island, even like me playing death metal to a bunch of like people that that are more used to like beat down hardcore. Yeah, you know you're. They're like, why is your drummer playing so fast? What's wrong with them? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, what I mean, like you gotta, you know, you gotta kind of get in people's notes. faces and yeah, you, know. you want to challenge them. You yeah. want to be like, you know, hey motherfucker, like I'm watching you too. Like, exactly. Come on, like you're yeah. just gonna stand there and stare at us like we're new nothing up here. Like exactly. working our asses off. Like let me see something. You know, and mm-hmm. it's yeah. <clears throat> a lot of the times I'll come off stage and be like, that sucked. <laughs> That fucking sucked. And then all night people were like, that was so fucking sick. And I'm like, you guys look like you hated us. You barely even clapped your hands. Like, it was at the end of songs, you know? Yeah. That, that's, but, that was almost, that's the best thing, I think, uh, around here. Where, where, you, where you, at the, you know, when you're playing a show, you, you think that the, uh, the, the visual of acceptance is movement in the crowd. But really, if everybody's looking at you, you know, if everybody's paying attention. That's, you know, that's a good point. No one's on their phone, no one's at the bar. And when you're, when you're a weird fucking band on the island, which pretty much is just not... At this point, if there's any thing. phones that are not, you know, if you're filming or something, it's one thing. But yeah. if, like, I'll take, I'll we will take, the take those contact. phones. This is not happening. I don't <laughs> yeah, like, the, the phone. If you're man. in the front row oh, or something. It's like, it's, I mean, obviously, if, I probably don't notice it. But if you're like, just uh, there and not paying just attention, you can get the fuck that, out. Yeah. Yeah. That's always been the thing. Is it's like if you don't like it, then. Uh, don't be indifferent. Get the fuck out. It's like know? the most insulting kind of... thing is being up front looking down at your phone. Like clearly, like you said, clearly not taking a picture of the band or something. Just right. like, like, yeah, I'm watching this band. Da da da. You know, like, like yeah, just scrolling. Yeah, yeah. yeah, come on, man. So, un, un, I won't. I don't know. I won't name the local band, but you used to see people with their phone take it, throw it in the back of the, the back of the room. Thought <laughs> yeah. that was always a great thing. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Got to get people in the moment. Yeah, you know, especially at a concert, it's like you're not gonna. You're not gonna ever have this again, man. Uh, yeah, you know? man. I have so many shows where I'm like, I wish I could go back to that show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? I was gonna say, I feel like nowadays there's this like kind of fetishizing of the the old school and like CBGBs, Agnostic Front, that kind of scene. Or especially in metal now, there's like you know the old Swedish death metal and the mm-hmm. golden era of death metal. And it's like at those shows, man, people had passion. They were going in, man. like it wasn't you know that that's also part of why that era was so special. Those eras were so special, you know, because it, you didn't have people just staring at their phone. Weren't and, worried about documenting you know, it. Yeah, or worried about talking about it online, and if if this band had enough Facebook likes or whatever, you know, all this whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's a different podcast that we have to work. I know. On. I'm, pu- I'm putting the, the leash back on. I'm sorry. I'm pumping the brakes there's on myself. A, there's a lot of theories that go behind, uh, you know, uh, philosophies within death metal and just being at a yeah. show in general that that tend to be brought up. In heavy hole in general, just like, yeah. this, man, fucking any kind of metal show is a mess, you know, every fucking time. But it's also a good mess, you know. Get there, get your ass there, fucking be in the moment. But let's move along uh, with some more Moontooth stuff, though. Sure. So you've just recorded an album, Crux, mm-hmm. uh, er- earlier this year, right? So or really, the recording of it was all like last year, pretty much the whole year. Yeah, made up. Started in February last year well the pre-pro was in December of 17 and then we started drums in February of 18 okay. and then that took mostly you know by the time it was like done we could have put it out at the end of last year but we waited till the new year you know put it out in March and kind of got the the plan for the release out and the, 
you know, like pre-orders and all that stuff, getting all that together. And right. So, yeah, I mean, there was basically a two um, two year difference between uh, Chrome and Paragon and, and the crops, correct? It's three. Yeah, oh, three now? Oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah, because uh, Chrome, Chrome and Paragon was right at the beginning of 16, and this one's right at the beginning of 19. So. Okay. So, this is the first album that wasn't entirely mixed and mastered by you, right? It was all... It, it was is all, mixed and mastered by me. Yeah, it was, it was. mixed and mastered yeah. by me. So, yeah. you, you did work with... Uh, Produced with Machine and Mark Morton. Though, yes, right? yes. So, so we, so, um, yeah. How'd that play out? Uh, yeah. So we, the first time that we got a chance to talk to Machine, um, was that uh, we were touring with Fit for an Autopsy, and uh, we were hanging out at um, what's the club? What am I knitting blanking? Factory? Knitting Factory. Yeah. So we were hanging out in Knitting Factory. Machine came down to that show, and uh, we kind of bullshit with him backstage. We just talked about like generally just kind of like what we're doing musically and like what we'd like to do in the future he was interested in producing the record um so it went from that you know we had future conversations and you know we got involved uh with a label at the time and we kind of were sorting things out things changed a lot in between that but we started uh we started pre-pro with Mark Morton because Machine just brought Mark Morton into the situation at some point because we were going to do, uh, we are going to record with the Machine entirely mm. and then Machine basically just talked to us at some point and said, hey, like, you know, I contacted Mark Morton and he's super into the record and we want to get him involved and we got involved with him and we went to his house in Virginia. We did pre-pro with him for five days. It was him and Machine and... Mm-hmm. So that was like that was their input for the record. They they helped out with song structure and you know like anything from tempo to vocal melodies to drum parts, guitar parts, like anything that. Okay, so they were know, more involved oh, yeah. with the the, um, the like, structural and the, the the song composition in a way. Pre-production. Like, you guys, like, yeah, they well, were. You in, guys they are they writing. Did, we did pre-production with them. Right. Uh, yeah. Just letting our listeners know because not all of them are yeah. involved. Like, yeah. So basically, and, pre-production. We just basically like we set everything up in a room. We just jammed for a while. And they gave their input on song structure and like the actual music part of right. mm-hmm. songwriting and you know the record for that. And just to clarify for the listeners, Mar- uh, that's Mark from Lamb of God, mm-hmm. yes. fame that people know, and and the Machine. Uh, his name is Machine. I don't want to the, the machine, yeah, machine. It's, yeah, machine. He's he's a producer. I uh, I understand. Um, you guys were fans of Clutch Records that he produced early on. Oh yeah, yeah, Clutch uh, and Lamb of God. Those, those records especially. Yeah, I just want just for for the listeners, just so they know who Machine is and and some some background on on um, on him. Yeah, Machine's mm. Machine's producer. He did <clears throat> Ashes the Wake. Yeah, exactly. Why Ashes the Wake is. Is one yeah. of the sonic, the most sonically like fucking fantastic yeah. records. Yeah, I've I've looked up the machine since I was a kid. Since we were kids, since like since yeah. Ashes the Way came out, we were learning those riffs, and like and I was trying to figure out how to get that kick drum sound. You know, like when I was fourteen years old, yeah. like Blast Tyrant by Clutch too was like a big one when yeah, we were was growing a huge up. One. Mm-hmm. Like always on. Um, yeah, like Machine caught Wind of Moontooth through one of his interns. Was really into the band. Kind of got in touch with us through Fit for an Autopsy, mm-hmm. and then. You know, like we were like, we don't have like your budget, we don't have a label, you know, but he was wanted to do it anyway, so we kind of started making plans to do mm. the record together, figure out the label part later, you know, and then, you know, he called us one day, like, how would you feel? I've been trying to talk to Mark Morton about like getting into production together. How would you feel if Mark Morton worked on your record or on the pre pro for your record? So the plan was like, do pre pro with those guys, and, you know, he knew what an engineer Ray was, mm-hmm. and, you know, the plan was to 
like do pre-pro, have Ray track most of the record, and then we'd meet back up to do vocals, and he would mix and master it. Money and plans didn't work out that way, so we only ended up doing the pre-pro for the record together. But it was such like a an eye-opening experience, you know. It was very difficult at times, you know, to be oh, I'm sure, yeah. let people into that part of the process. But I mean, they were two people we respected a lot, yeah. I you mean, know, which made it even heavier. Yeah, so, Ray being. You, you've produced everything so far, so letting someone into like this little secret you've guys made, you yeah. know, <laughs> must have yeah. been interesting in a way. It was, and... it was like, it was really cool for me to watch, um, to watch those guys work, you know, because like I've been doing, I've been doing projects myself as a producer for years, and I've been doing all the Moon Tooth stuff since day one. So I was, I was super ready to have somebody else come in and do that, <clears throat> because at that point, I was just like, all right, well, I feel like we've exhausted a lot of things that we could have done as a band and as you know me and nick since you know we've been playing together forever so i just wanted to hear somebody else's input you know it's like all right let's just dive in let's just see what they have to say and uh you know like nick was saying it was difficult at times but i you know i mean it came out great so i'm super happy with it but it's like i know it's just interesting to see what somebody's going to do with your own music you know Mm mm-hmm because like I, you know, we have this idea of what Boontooth is going to sound like, and then when you get somebody else's idea on it, obviously there's going to be some disagreements, but it's generally for the better because he had the he had the mindset where like, all right, so you got you got a song that's all right, you think this is like a poppier song, so how many people are going to think this is a pop song? And we're like, well, there's going to be a bunch of people that like are into metal and pop. And he was just like, no, but like they're like. Dude, they have no idea what metal is. Like, no, like think about all the people that have no fucking clue what metal is. Like, they're gonna think this is a metal song, and even though it's verse chorus and there's a cool hook in there, they're gonna think it's a fucking crazy metal song. So it's like this is all this like new attitude that he brought, like in that, and that was it's a whole new no perspective, a whole another perspective rather. So that was like that was something yeah. that we thought of beforehand. Like we were trying to take our music to a new level and just try to reach a larger audience and not compromise anything that we wanted to do musically. Yeah. But he was, he kind of brought that new, like, larger, larger audience to it. Like, what are the parts that people are going to be screaming at your face when the big chorus comes in or the big bridge comes in? Like, do you have those parts? Like, are those exist? Like, they need to right. be solid. Yeah. You be able to sing them. Or you, know? you have those parts, but, like, you got too much other stuff going on and it's too confusing you know I mean it's it's funny because it's like it makes it sound like we changed like we would have changed a lot but like what you heard on the record is essentially what we wrote but it's like maybe we chopped a riff here or we put a chorus back in here or something like that like I remember like in Trust and yeah in Trust and and All all Angles I think um, it was like just another rotation of the first riff and I like the idea that they were going to cut that off with the part where the drums do this and it, it was like really hard for me to accept at first. I was like, this, no, like you're, you're making this something it's not, you know, like this is where the drums kind of change and like you get this other feeling for the riff. And then it was like, after I heard it two more times, I was kind of like, oh yeah, you're, you're right. Like yeah. <laughs> we should get to the verse <laughs> after a while, you know? I mean, that was the experiment with this record. Like, we, you know, we were into letting, letting like, yeah. Yeah, you you get- know, their influence in it and seeing like what it became. Yeah, know, we, were already, we were already on that path. Like before we started pre-production with them, it was already in the place where <clears throat> uh, we were ready. We were as ready as we thought we were for that for that path, and we just wanted the songs to be 
like the actual songs to be as good as possible. Like the riffs were cool, everything, like, all the individual parts were cool. We just wanted to make sure the song as a whole was as good as possible. You know? I just looked at it as like the opportunity was there. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that like I really was like I really want somebody to work on my songs. I just looked at it as like Machine wants to work on your record, Mark Warren wants to work on your record. What are you gonna say no? Like, still, you know, it's like yeah, they they actually care right. enough it's, to look at it. And, yeah, like, it's a teamwork thing. Like, yeah, you know, if it's yeah. This is not like an unwanted producer stepping on your shit. This is like, yeah, hey, exactly. do you want, do you want a little guidance? This will be an experience. This will yeah, be yeah. something to make the band, you know, interesting. You know, after after five years of, of grinding, it's like, why wouldn't you take an opportunity to just like make it more interesting at the very least, you know, and yeah. and kind of get some knowledge. I mean, working with Mark Morton was crazy to me. I would like grow up watching his videos every day and buying all these CDs and DVDs and learning all the riffs. I remember downloading their first album on Kazaa yeah, I was like 12 or 13 Legally. or 14 or whatever and being Dang. like what the fuck is this shit like the, like the drums sound like he was beating on like dead animal carcasses or something it's just not it wasn't like what it is now and just that dude became one of the biggest you know in one of the biggest bands of metal like I, I want to know I want some of that to knowledge to just rub yeah, off dude. a little bit trickle down it's yeah. interesting too because uh because the new album doesn't sound like a, it doesn't sound like a departure at all from from com- chroma how many, how many, how many words chroma paragon chroma paragon chroma paragon yeah it doesn't sound like a like a musical departure at all it sounds in, like a in anybody's progression exactly and uh and and the fact that that is, came as a product from you getting some some honestly some industry this is how you make money playing metal advice yeah, it just yeah. focused it a little more you know it was uh, it just focused it well yeah, uh, for sure and um and it, you can't argue with the results man hey, um, we sold out and it's, look at all this yeah. money you know <laughs> you guys saw me roll up in that new mercedes <laughs> i'm trying to drink my beer right now but it, alleged beer but there's all this cash on top of me yeah. <laughs> i can't sorry can't i didn't die. have time to go to the bank today um so the new album it, it's is it fair to say that there it's it's a little bit um Trying to think of the right word, maybe a little bit darker or more serious. Oh yeah, uh, not just lyrically, but with some of the atmosphere you create in certain songs. For sure, is that something that you intended to do uh, when you set out to write it, or is that something that those guys brought to it? I think it's just what we're going through personally, uh-huh. I, yeah. especially John. I mean, all of us. I think it's just when we did Chrome and Paragon, it was like a a certain like um, enthusiasm that's still there. But I, I sum it up like in the simplest way. The Chrome and Paragon, the, the first real album, was like, "Yeah, we can do it." And then Crux is kind of like, "Yeah, but maybe we can." <laughs> <laughs> and 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 just kind of like, that's to put it as lightly as humanly possible. But it's just like yeah. the perspective on everything changed, and it just made us. Everybody went through heavy shit, and it just it just came out in that way. You know, it just life got heavier, the reality of what we're doing got heavier, and thus the the vibes change yeah, my, a little bit I, I um my favorite song is actually the title track and throughout most of the song it's it's a very slow um like melodic atmosphere it's almost like a slow build to this really brutal like last two minutes or so of the song almost a death metal kind of it's, it's like it's like the lightest moon tooth into like the heaviest moon tooth you know what i mean exactly and i i really i was kind of taken aback by that it's not what i expected man but i really enjoy that song like i said it's my favorite it's my favorite of the album is 
like like going going from here now like do you, do you see that kind of being the vibe of the band or is this just kind of like like an like uh, an album where where you kind of have that sound and maybe like you know anything's anything's open like how do you see this fitting into what you're doing I mean we have we have a lot of songs that have have these attitudes where a lot of them are like moody not necessarily soft but not just like Mountain Dew, cocaine, <laughs> fucking like, just, yeah, 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 yeah. So we have those songs, and then we have songs that are like more like the Motionless in Sky and in Crux. So we have like, I don't know, we have kind of like a split going on between a lot of songs that we're working on. So it's the whole thing it's a mix for, for me is like artistically, I want the darkest and the lightest together. That's what I want, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, that's life, right? I mean, like that's. That why we didn't want a, a like a traditional metal singer, you know, but mm-hmm. we wanted to write really brutal riffs. Like we want to kind of have elements of both, you know, whether they're in the same song or or kind of like somewhere in between, spread out over an album, you know. Like we really do love like the all like the lightest to the most brutal music, you know. So it's trying to get it all in there, but focus that somehow. Mm-hmm. I think Crux um, kind of became. I guess the most obvious example of how we want to do both, you know, it's like yeah. we can have this kind of almost R&B ballad song that can become this brutal, mishuga, sludgy mm-hmm. kind of technical death metal song in a way, you know, because we love all that stuff, you know, it's like, how do you put that all into one song? That's an exciting challenge artistically. But when you try to, I guess, approach that to somebody who's looking at it from an industry perspective, it's like, why the fuck is this other part on this song? What like this song could have made a lot of money. And you put just this... take that three and a half minutes and cut that bullshit out of yeah, the fucking end. What are you doing over here? Yelling on this beautiful song for it. But you know that's the stuff that we you know that's what we held on to a little bit. It's like yeah. you're not gonna make us super soft. I'm not you know I will only go so soft. But you know it's we're everybody I, I, all four of us that, are input. In that dynamic flow of like so far of everything you've you've put out. Is, is consistent. Like, the Freaks EP, Chroma Paragon, Crux, all of them. It's... You get both ends so extremely, but they work together. This is not like Between the Buried and Me, like, you know, jerk into jazz and then go into a death metal riff. Mm-hmm. Like, early shit. This yeah. works really smoothly together. All the time. And, like, th- that awesome. will be a... I mean... I love the, the juxtaposition of... Like playing a brutal fucking drop A riff, but in a major key, and, yes. or, and and just kind of spreading that out, and and then clean finger picking part that becomes this brutal, it's like down it's, it's tempo great. doom riff or it's something. something. You guys do really well. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Like, it's cool that first anybody can kind of when separate. Chrome Paragon came on, and I heard uh, you put out Igneous. I was just like, this is one of the heaviest riffs I've ever heard in my goddamn life. And I listen to Brodequin. And I listen to fucking really heavy shit all the time. And I love it. But I just. That's a great riff. Like, yeah, like just. Ray wrote that riff. You guys just get into it. Thanks, Ray. (laughs) We talk a lot of death metal on Heavy Hole. We're all over the place. And we're really like. You know. You guys are still that underground scene. Mm -hmm. You know? I don't know if that's. Something you want to hear right now? You can take you so can take this is. out of the, you can take this out of the podcast if you want. I've always told Jake Zimmerman, I was like, Moontooth is the mastodon of Long Island. <laughs> I think so. That's cool, and because I, I think that's a band that that blends that uh, super accessible with with the the kind of obscure. And then where did that come from? Yeah, people so have told us like, about it, yeah, so. you guys got this massive thing, mastodon thing going on, but 
if you could do what they did in 15 years in like two years mm-hmm. i think you've got a shot so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that, nah, that's I super mean, easy Mastodon was the big that was that was a big turning point band for me that was like they're a great band that sent me in a whole yeah. other direction that brought mm-hmm. me to neurosis that brought me to the melvins that brought me to jesus lizard that brought me like in a whole other level of looking at music like cool. okay this can be heavy but it doesn't have to be minor key technical like fast, it can be moody and and, and just kind of like mean, but like not really in the same way I've been looking at it. So right. and and just Brent Hines as a guitar player was massively influential. Mm-hmm. Bringing the chicken picking and this other type of country style that I loved on guitar and like actually just putting it into this insane technical sludge metal song, you know, unlike uh, Megalodon. Like mm-hmm. the first time I heard that, I was like, that guy's. God to me on guitar now. You just did both so perfectly. I was obsessed with Leviathan when I was in high school. I remember almost yes, crying <laughs> like on a yeah. field trip. I remember being listening to my field and my headphones and like I think it's a. Uh, uh, it's been a while. What the fuck is the song? It's been um, a while. Naked Burn. I think is the song. I was like, this is the most beautiful melody I've heard. It reminded me of like hearing Ride the Lightning for the first time or something. Sweet man. So it's that a great was, record. Anytime that comparison comes around, I'm not gonna. But they have an inter- interesting trajectory too, because once they started changing their sound, is when I got like, okay, I like this, but this isn't Leviathan now. Yeah. You know, that was that band for me, where like. But I've had all these bacon, egg, and cheeses, so it's not going to be the same <laughs> as Mastodon. No, I listen, <laughs> it's more, I listen, it's more Long Island yeah. thing. I listen to every Mastodon album, but I've definitely fallen off there. You know, like uh, yeah. Leviathan's heavy as fuck, but you know, I started listening to heavier music. But I still. It's it's good songwriting at the end of the day. Yeah, like, yeah, and it's great production too. So why oh, not? Yes. Like you know, I've always wondered whether or not it's it's their production or it's the way they started writing music, or it's because I'm getting older and it's not like it didn't hit me when I was in a like it's a younger the- age, when well, 18 years old when mm-hmm. I first heard you know some of their shit or younger. Yeah, fucked up your whole world. That's me with yeah. uh, Gore Guts. I yeah. definitely wasn't ready for okay. Gore Guts when I was younger, but. Uh, but some, just talking about songwriting, something that you mentioned before was that um, Ray, in addition to playing drums, you actually play guitar and you write some of the material. Yes. So how much of the material do you write for Moontooth? Put Nick on the spot. <laughs> well, for, All uh, of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually everything. Nick's a terrible guitar player. Um, I'm not even playing live. No, Sam. yeah, I'm a terrible guitar player. <laughs> I'll write some riffs here and there. Uh, yeah, for the uh, for Chromabergon, yeah, I wrote uh, that song Igneous and uh, Offer Blood and uh, Forgive Me Snake Rider and some of yeah some of White Stag. It was like that 11 minute long song epic, and then when, like we just kind of like smashed together like all the cool shit at the end. That's all Nick. Mm-hmm. All the basic shit at the beginning. It's me. <laughs> no, I mean all of our stuff pretty yeah. much starts with a riff. So it's like yeah. you know usually one of us has a riff or two or three or four that fit together and then we figure it out together yeah it's like all the stuff that i wrote for igneous like it was like a lot of the basic riffs uh like the beginning riff and shit and then like the bridge and everything and like nick just took that, it to a like a that one like ray a, pretty much wrote but if you like snake yeah. rider like you wrote the middle section i wrote a couple of the segway riffs and like the end yeah you know, it's like it just it depends on how it all kind of just plays out just kind of like i just give him shit and i just kind of funnel my riffs <laughs> into him and just like all right just here good luck and just, just I'm I mean, that, sorry that if it's goes, too hard, and just play back, it better, please. <laughs> that goes back our whole lives, though. That's not just yeah. one team. Yeah, no, you guys make a good team, like songwriting. Yeah, you know? it's just like because I like, don't give him any drum parts, though. It's just for the better. 
Because, like, I'll I'll play it in a room, and, like, I'll, I'll stand up and play it. I'll try to do that, and I'm like, oh, fuck, this is going to suck, dude. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but then he'll take it, and he'll play way better than I can, so that, that works out for us. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff, though. You know, it's it's, it's yeah. nice to have that... Uh, Ray, Ray wrote the song uh, Thorns on the new record. That's one of Ray's songs. Thorns, and yeah. Musketeers. Musketeers, yeah. Okay. Well, we've been writing together since we were little kids, so we kind of like a lot of the same shit. But I think that you yeah. can kind of hear... A difference if you were really looking for it but you know it's it, it, by the time it's recorded and on an album like by the time you're listening to it we've been probably playing that riff for years yeah. and and it finally became a moon tooth song yeah, it doesn't already, really feel like anybody owns it at, at yeah it's point. already funneled yeah. like if i write something it's already funneled like through his playing and he has like leads that he created over it and it's like it's always like a whole new thing the yeah, offered blood is the one that starts with that like tapping riff right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that i could i would probably See, he say, li- he hey, writes- that's, that's a drummer writing that riff. Yeah, he writes <laughs> like, like a guitar player. I play, you know, I've been playing guitar forever, and I'm like, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. He totally writes <laughs> riffs like, like a drummer. Yeah, and like, even, even to the point where the guitars are in weird tunings, just to like m- make the riff drum work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like just yeah. to like like the chroma on the on that last album is in F A C G A C, and they're all sharp, and it's just nobody. That's not a tuning. <laughs> it's just like that's not a tuning. People ask us to play that, and I'm like, no. Like I can relearn it and play it, but I'm not gonna bring a guitar for. Uh, I mean, we have done that before, but yeah. it's just like it's just funny. Yeah, like if you if you, you really do write like a drummer. Why? It's just, it's just, it's because I, I'll Stop start it. writing a riff Stop. and there's just an easier way. Like, ah, instead of stretching to this fucking note that's like four frets away, I'll just down tune a string so it's two frets away. All right, well, maybe nice I'll cut that out for your sake. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, look, guys, this is awesome. Getting to look into the whole Moontooth operation. Like, Long Island's just killer, weird, southern, hardcore, like, crazy. I don't know what's going on. Like, there, there's a lot of words that could be used to describe your band, but just check it out. It's fucking great. Hey Tom, uh, do you have any uh, new album recommendations, uh, possibly for this episode today, right now? Not to put you on the spot. Courtesy of Chris over at Imperative PR, he hit us up recently and was like, "Hey, I'm gonna start sending you stuff from our PR company, so you can check it out before it comes out." And I was very blessed to get this Depraved Murder, <laughs> their album that's coming out in a few weeks from recording this manifestation. This is some brutal death metal that I am all about if I was to compare it to one thing it's the consistency of decapitated nihility the whole thing all the way through and 
has no problem with sitting in a groove. Listen to those kick drums. Yeah. Those kick drums, man. That's nice. That's my. That's what my heart sounds like when I start talking about Pissgrave. <laughs> <laughs> this is a young group of men from Indonesia. Ooh, Paulo. Yeah. You gotta tell Paulo about this. He probably already knows. Oh, Paulo knows about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's tight. This album's coming out May 17th, 2019 on Comatose. Okay. Which is a great label for a band like this. Thorough death metal label. Yeah. Thoroughbred, disgusting death metal mm -hmm. all throughout that label. They got Pathology on there. They got Mortal Decay. The vocalist on this recording isn't actually in the band. It's a dude named Claude the Ripper DeRosa. <laughs> now, is that his Christian name? I believe so. He's a ripper for hire. Any relation to Ripper Owens? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Um, I looked into this guy, though. He is big contributor in the death metal scene in under underground ways. He's mm. he's in the band Blasphemer. Okay. Oh. Um, Modus Delecti. Septical Gorge. Okay. You know Septical Gorge, right? Uh, not personally, but yeah, the good band. He also owns the Spew Records. Okay. Out of huh? Italy. The Spew. The Spew. An Italian gentleman. Italian gentleman. Okay. The vocalists we're hearing on this album. Great vocals, man. Yeah, the, right? I'm really a sucker for this drum sound, though. It's <laughs> <Right>? fucking crazy. <laughs> Depraved Murder from Indonesia. Check it out. talk over this okay so my album for this week uh brand new um sort of from a couple last year is serox that's s-e-r-o-c-s the phobos slash demios suite released on octo uh in october 2018 from uh this just beautifully named everlasting spew records mm. is that like the now that's you that's phobos. different from the spew records it's, yeah it's okay. different from the spew and okay. the everlasting spew okay you got gonna spew spewing in this i like the production <laughs> spew everlasting this uh, is very tech death yeah it's, cool. it's it's very very tech death and uh and and what i like about it is it's it you know it's less than a year old right so it's a fairly new release um mm -hmm. but it's got that that late 90s early 2000s like tech death vibe to it um very reminiscent of of that brutality of Cryptopsy, but they kind of have this this musicality of Spawn of Possession, mm -hmm. like the kind of groove of Spawn of Possession. I feel like um, even the little Severed Savior kind of thrown in. Uh, this this band features members of First Fragment, uh, Cathelist or the Chillist. As, oh, is that as Phil? Oh, the Chillist. Phil in this band. I, um, Phil. We'll Phil Tugas. Tugas. Yeah, yeah we might check that. Out. Yeah. I didn't see if he was in there, but it's very possible. Uh, the band uh, Sutra. Okay. And uh, Funinbaram. Oh, Funinbaram. Funinbaram. So I believe that might be Phil, because I think Phil is in Funinbaram now, and Funinbaram's actually a New Jersey-based band. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So He's a Catholicist and First Fragment. I think we deducted that one it, down It's yeah. pretty interesting. I, it might be no. like... Uh, this is Phil Likely, this band. Phil Likely. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sick. Uh, well, 
it, it's 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 like a true it's a real multi multinational band because uh you know good boy phil uh from from the u.s over here uh other phil's, members phil's from canada <laughs> oh got, shit! I got Canada in my. You guys really tore here. into that whiskey before, huh? <laughs> hey man, yeah, I had a weekend. I've been, I've just been turning into Ciroc's. I'm trying to talk about Ciroc. it right here. So it's, uh, it's, it's got, got fucking a whole alliance of uh, uh, French, Mexican, and Canadian members in here. Uh, okay. All assembled by the uh, guitarist and founding member Antonio Friere, uh, not to be confused with uh, Antonio Griere. It's a different boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, uh, this, is, this is just fantastic, uh, you know, brand new tech death, uh, kind of flying that flag of a that, that old school, like original kind of tech death sound and, and not going into the more digital kind of computer based like uh, other bands mm. I kind of won't name. Um, this artwork I kind of was really kind of drawn to. Uh, it's Yeah, I like the art, the cover a lot. Uh, done by this Italian artist, uh, Nicola Samurai. It's um, pretty depressing. It's like terrifying. He's got this real abstract Baroque sort of style. Uh, uh, look this up. If you have eyeballs, uh, go on your computer, type in Ciroc, the band. They Check use this the album like out. somebody spilled milk all over it, though. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm making bad jokes here. It's, no, it's a, it's a great album cover. If you Very drink disturbing. milk, it's a good joke. I like the logo. If it fits the vibe. Uh, for sure, yeah. So uh, check it out. Uh, Everlasting Spew Records. Ciroc's. Not the rock. It's the rock in here. See, I like the production because you can hear what everybody's playing. Mm-hmm. It's not just like weight and volume. It's like you can make out all the riffs and stuff. Mm-hmm. When some people are playing shit that's technical, you know, kind of want to hear what they're all doing. It's so it's a lot faster and a lot more going on. But the the production, like the sound quality, and the, especially with the the drums, how you hear like the cymbal right over here and stuff like yeah. like that's kind of I was talking about with later Broken Hope. Uh, they yeah they like the, everything was just you hear like a like a symbol panned hard right over here it's, everything is just like sounds like a live band yeah 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 yeah. Is the band can really do this live like that's a sight to behold yep yeah. you know and people can fake it in the studio now but when you really see a band do it it's like holy shit. your new pick uh, for my newest record uh, pick I would uh, my, the thing I can't stop listening to is Funeral Cheek uh, their newest record is called um, Superstition and uh, yeah it's like uh, kind of death and roll kind of grindcore kind of blackened kind of just just mean and just violent I mm-hmm. like it a lot it's first song Rotten to the Core I love the ridiculous reverb on the vocals and everything. Just yeah, it's got a vibe. It's got a real creepy '80s vibe, like '80s yeah. horror movie metal band vibe or something. Yeah, the album cover is yeah. skeletons in leather jackets drinking beer. So 
Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that, this, everything adds up right now. This is really cool, though. Really catchy. Yeah, and every, there's a bunch of different vibes on the whole record. Some slower. I love anything that kind of has a little Motorhead in it. Mm -hmm. like right yeah, here, you yeah, got yeah. to get that vibe. <laughs> I, I would say it sounds very catchy and rock and roll, but without being like silly. You know what I mean? It's not like hamming it up. You know, it's pretty mean. Yeah, it's got balls. Yeah, it's more punk to it. I'm always a sucker for fast chokes. Just, 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 just. Yeah. that's a simple really cool case you're wondering what that is. You know, what? I, I always like. I, can get. I always like when uh, like crustier bands like this do do the blast beat. I like, like I like it when it's crusty but tight. It's yeah, like exactly. The band's still really fucking tight. Yeah. There's a lot of crust bands I heard, and it's not not to say it's not a desirable sound, but like I'll get into it a little bit more when the drummer's like way more like tighter on it, and it's not just a yeah, D yeah. beat all the way through, and then you know maybe a two steppy part. But I'm almost I'm almost getting a vibe now of like first wave black metal, like Celtic Frost and Bathory and those mm -hmm. bands, but with like a updated modern grindcore kind of tightness and brutality. There's plenty of those. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Like, but there's something very tight and modern about it too, especially when you heard those blast beats. You know, this is really cool. His vocals are Forever sick. Forever rotten to the fucking core. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's got balls and it's punk. Yeah, it's like punk but metal, yeah, and it's got. Cool. I, I like it. It's got a little bit of everything, but just gets you gets you going. Absolutely. We uh when we did uh. The music video for our song Trust, and we were just breaking shit, we were just smashing shit with sledgehammers and stuff. This is this, and I think we put on South of Heaven after, we're like the, 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 the gotta, anthems, but just something to get people record. fired up to break shit. This was the perfect record for that. Wish you could hear my headbang. <laughs> it's all visual, sorry. Can I request one song from this? Yeah, man. Go with, um, Decorated. Fuck the cops. Fuck them. New music for me. It's uh, Turnstile, Time and Space. Latest record they just put out. Yeah, that record's awesome. Vin is seeing them tonight. Our best player is actually watching yeah, them right. probably right now. Fantastic. Probably right now. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe they finished. And he's uh, trying to find a train. Trying to find more tequila pie. I just got into it like, like, er, like initially the vocal style like kind of threw me for threw me for a loop but I loved it after like three minutes mm. I was just like what the fuck is this? it's just like one note just ah! and then 
I don't know. I just loved it the entire time. Yeah. Now I'm I'm old, but these guys are pretty big in the hardcore scene right now, right? Yeah. The, the kids are all about the these guys, right? Yeah. yeah. Kiddos. Yeah. I see. I know. <laughs> I pay attention. I'm a kid. I love this band. <laughs> just like that. Sick. I can't do it without coughing. Just yelling, man. <laughs> It's just yelling. Kind of reminds great. me of uh, Snapcase's vocals, mm-hmm. in a way. And they got the grooves like that, too. Yeah, yeah that, like, they got a little Jane's Addiction in them. Yeah, I hear that in Faith No More a little mm-hmm. bit, even. Snapcase used to get that comparison, too. That, that Yeah, it's that, that, that kind of monotone, high-pitched thing. Yeah, it just it works, though. Rock vibe and reminds Faith No More. It's yeah. fun. It's funny, because now that I listen to it more, I, I hear Snapcase in these guys a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's It's... It's really cool stuff. the rules I got um uh it's Entheos Dark Future Ooh, nice yeah I'm bending the rules of new because this actually came out November 2017 but um I have heard it before but it's new to me because I just bought this nice vinyl uh incarnation of it that came out on Spine Farm Records I guess put out the vinyl I bought this at Record Reserve in uh, Northport from our buddy Timmy that we interviewed mm. Um, a, f- a few episodes ago, but yeah, this is Entheos' uh, Dark Future album. Real hardworking band. You guys toured with them, right? At one point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, n- nice people. That was my experience. I hope you guys were. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of putting you on the spot right now, but no, yeah, yeah. cool fucking people. Yeah, great people, sure. man. Really, really like them. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed their music. Uh, Artificial Brain was touring with them maybe f- three or four years ago. And uh, this was before this material, I guess, was being performed live and, and recorded. This is a really interesting album. It's um, sometimes I almost listen to it more when I want to hear something like very experimental and electronic more than when I want to hear something metal. Mm-hmm. And I say that with reverence for this album because it's so different. Uh, it's very heavy and brutal at times, and they they kind of like stick to what they've been doing, but. They, they bring out the electronic parts and the atmosphere so much on this album. And when you really listen to it as an album, it flows. I just hit the mic with my hand. It, it flows uh, like from one song to the next, man. It's a really beautiful album. I love this. Really different, too, man. And I, I know the drummer, um, he kind of works with his laptop to work on some of this electronic stuff like as they're when they're on the road like they're always kind of writing man so i don't know 
I don't know what the writing process is really like with that band because they've changed guitarists uh, once or twice over the years too. Yeah. But um, I know the drummers is very instrumental in a lot of these more electronic and like atmospheric parts. That uh, Naveen. Yeah, yeah Naveen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one of the best drummers we've ever toured with. For Love sure. uh, animosity. Yeah, we yeah. talked about animosity on uh, an episode too. And animals as leaders. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Naveen, really, it was a pleasure being able to watch him play drums every night, man. Real, real dude yeah. plays with 2S. Well, he, at the time we toured with NTOs, he plays 2S sticks, which are like tree trunk marching huh. band sticks, like the biggest you could fucking get. And he's still ridiculously fast. Yeah. Hits harder than any drummer I've seen, so. <laughs> we, we toured with them in 2016. It was us and then them and then Intronaut. So it was like every night, like watching these like master class. Like, I mean, just talking about Entheos alone, without even talking about Entheos, you got Naveen, Evan Brewer on bass at the time, mm -hmm. Travis, who just had come out of... Um, Scale the Summit. Scale the Summit, and uh, Chaney, you know, and like, yeah. just watching them every night. Every night, they were just, would slaughter everybody, and like... Yeah, when I when when I like to behold. <laughs> no, exactly. When Artificial Brain opened for them, that was when they were with Malcolm from Inferi on guitar. But yeah, and Evan Brewer, man, just watching those guys, watching Evan on bass and um, Chaney, a lot of respect for her as a singer. Alien vocals. Yeah, yeah, just the range, her performance as uh, as a front woman. I, I I came to really respect what she does. You know, um, a lot of respect for what she does. Yeah, she she was a good uh, front person. She would yeah. get the crowd into it yeah, and exactly. paying attention, and wasn't afraid to jump on them to get the job done. Yeah, and, you know, but like, but I don't know. All of them just they got on stage, did their their fucking job every night. You know, it was never a question if they were going to kill it or not. You know, they had no professionals, seemingly down to a science. Sorry. And really nice people, man. Uh, really cool people to hang out. Just like, yeah. I remember just from the first day of that, you know, the, like the first day of a tour where there's a few other bands you don't know, like you don't know what's going on, but we, we kind of clicked with them and we were like hanging out with them every, every day, you know, when we would all meet up because we were the two opening act. We were opening up for Entheos and, and they were opening up for the other act. So we got along with them very well. Good, good people. And, um, you know, so I always... When you tour with a band and they turn out to be good people that you like, you always want to keep up with their music. And I was just really pleasantly surprised by this album that they put out, man, because it's, I, I, it's not a total departure from their older sound, but it's like things just coalesced in a really nice way on this one. So, and you know, it's a little older, so uh, you know, we might be closer than putting out something new by now. Who knows, man? Hardworking band. I wouldn't be surprised if they're on the road right now. So, kind of like for me, this is like somewhere between like mid-era death. And um, some electronic form of metal that's in the future that I don't know about yet. <laughs> like that, it's, it definitely it, is on that next wave, right? Like, yeah, I love it. Combining both. Justin has talked before on the show about bands coming up now that kind of write their music with uh, modern production techniques in mind, almost like yeah. like writing with the electronic uh, emphasis in mind. You know, right? So yeah, Entheos, Dark Future. It's been out for a while. You got no excuse. Get into it.
Um, just for time considerations tonight, uh, we're going to step back. We're just going to ask Nick and Ray before they leave tonight if you guys could add, could recommend some like throwback classic releases. Uh, just one or two a piece. Um, doesn't have to be metal even. Just something from your past that doesn't get a lot of credit that maybe fans of your band or just listeners of the podcast in general could uh, gain something from. Um, I think what I'm going to go with is um, if we're going classic, what I'm thinking is like if I want to turn somebody onto like a classic metal record they might not know is uh, Budgie in for the kill, mm. 70s proto metal. Um, the only reason I ever even heard of them is because Metallica did one of their songs in Garage, but at some point I went back and went through their records and check out the first record, first song on this record. It's a bit of an intro, but this riff. It's so fucking sick. And the, the fact that this band is not as big as like a Judas Priest or like a Rush or something to me is crazy. Weird panning thing. I've got the headphone pan. Yeah. Nick's just riffing this whole thing right now. <laughs> he's got every, he's got the drums down, drums and guitar at the same time. That's tight. <clears throat> 1974 right here. That's a tight groove. It's a tight cowbell. From playing in Riot, I definitely got like a... A different perspective and, and just more educated on old school metal. I already knew about this record, but like, you know, you talk to the dudes that love Riot, you talk about Budgie, will go on all day. It's like, and then these people, these bands never get talked about here, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some things kind of get uh, left in obscurity. That's heavy as fuck. Yeah. This production is to some some between the bass sound, the guitar tone, and the cowbell is just it's doing it for me, man. It's, <laughs> The bass is carrying so much of the weight. Yeah, it really is. And this, this, is that a snare drum or are they just? I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's almost got like a Stevie Wonder like kind of like oh, the blues. rhythm section is just on fire, you know. Mm. This is what Tony Iommi would play if he didn't chop his fingers off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What yeah, weird yeah, ass dude. cut? <laughs> 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 Tons of great riffs and just great parts town. on this whole record. <laughs> All right, and th- and this is uh, how do you spell it? Budgie, B U D G I E. Okay, Budgie. English, I believe. And I'm Budge. All right, so for those of you who got into maybe Ghost Tower yes. on our Paragon Records episode, and you want to go further down that classic rock hole, Budgie. All right.
right, Ray, what do you got, man? So mine, uh, mine's not classic. It's not classic. It's still fairly recent. Okay. But um, it's a Hiatus Coyote Choose Your Weapon uh, song by Fire. <clears throat> Came out in 2016, so <laughs> it's still <laughs> fairly recent. Hi, hiatus Coyote? Hiatus Coyote. Hi- yeah, Hiatus Coyote. Coyote by Fire. It's a good one. That's, hiatus that's one Coyote. Not metal, but hmm. I feel like it's just really drum-wise complicated. The rhythms are insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hiatus Coyote. Australian, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That Very first snare hit, I still can't figure out where it is. I'm a huge, fa- <laughs> I'm a huge fan of this band, by the way. Um... I heard this band in a, in a random bar in Puerto Rico a couple of years ago, huh. and had to try and uh, make some sort of a break the language barrier with my bartender, and uh, ended up turning me on to this band. I feel like it, it just changes so much. It reminds me of how like just prog rock and prog metal changes. It just kind of like that feeling got me. This reminds me a lot of Flying Lotus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like exactly. like that whole uh, brain feeder people, like Igloo Ghost. Yeah. This is an actual band, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. This is a, yeah, it's a, I mean, not saying that, you know, anything against Flying Lotus or anything else, but this no, is no. A, it's, it's fucking interesting. It's <clears throat> tight. Yeah, drummer's like, it's super weird in a lot of his playing. It's, a lot of it's like really disjointed and hard to follow like hard if you try to play along to it it's like fucking impossible somehow <laughs> he's got his own pocket it's one yeah. thing to be in the pocket but he found his own yeah it's his own weird thing yeah i was like obsessed with this album for months yeah, it's just one of those albums just grabbed me for some reason a lot of ear candy yeah know, exactly until just rhythms and riffs and stuff melodies she can I, really sing yeah you mentioned Flying Lotus. I'm a, I'm a sucker for a lot of, uh, I guess I guess people tend to call it neo soul, like Dwele and yeah, uh, Zoe like and artists like that. Um, yeah, this is this could really get me in that in that that vibe. Yeah, it's heavy heavy groove. Yeah, yeah. This is really cool shit, man. It's cool too. Is I worked at coffee shops for many years, and when I get to pick the music. It was always like risky to put on certain things if I was going to make people feel weird or whatever mm-hmm. but um, I could put this on and just get totally down with all these technical crazy things but nobody would ever yeah. look at me yeah. like I was weird for playing it you know like, I would never work, get yeah. that like what is this thing you know cause, right. I guess because I guess because of her vocals and it's just soulful and funky and just yeah. makes you feel good when you listen <clears> to it yeah but if you like complicated grooves it's like even if you're into metal if you fuck with this it'll It'll give you some really cool ideas, or just mm-hmm. be a cool trip. Absolutely, crazy power. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're even if you're like Meshuggah, just check this record out. <laughs> wow, what a cool record, man! This and uh, that turnstile, man. I, I really, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get outside of metal a little bit this week, yeah. and I'm gonna explore <laughs> this and that turnstile. No, I'm, I'm in all, in all seriousness, man. Uh, check out the song uh, Swamp Thing off this record. Is that oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That thing is, yeah, that, that track is super fucking weird. Angry.
just because we're playing this this just music right now, I want to take them out on this. I want to ride out on this. Absolutely. I want to drop a couple of Funkmaster Flex bombs on this. <laughs> That's in New York. Funkmaster Flex is a DJ that drops bomb sound effects <laughs> on record, so the FBI can slow the fuck down. All right, that's what I was talking about. But no, this is really cool shit, man. So, uh, Nick and Ray of Moontooth, we really thank you guys for joining us here in studio tonight and talking to us. Um, it, it was it was hard to be serious, man. We had a real great conversation, and uh, you know it was good vibes, man. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks yeah. so much for having Thank us. Thank you guys for having us, man. Yeah, uh, of course, Moontooth, you guys are doing a lot right now, and I want to keep up with you guys, as We're should trying. our audience. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if you're listening to this, I don't know what's going to come out, but... Uh, <laughs> May, look for us at Irving Plaza in New York, people. And we'll be in Long Island in June. I can't say when yet, but fucking drop that bomb right now. <laughs> fucking come out. Come out to a show. Yes. Moontooth is going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> come come to the show. Come rage. Yeah. All right, so Moontooth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Finally. Cypher, don't Someone get guessed. Did. All right. How long you hold on to that for? couple minutes <laughs> Moontooth uh, the new album Crux is available now on everywhere you go for it right it's streaming internet, platforms right? and all that you if you want a CD it. or a vinyl you can probably hit you guys yo, up we got right? a .org yo. come on well, man Moontooth.org yo google <laughs> these sweet. guys man Serious. hit them up on the Zucker book okay do what you gotta do alright it's 2019 Moontooth is in the building and we're gonna take you out on, on this hiatus coyote that I love so much man we're, we're chilling here alright heavy, heavy whole podcast peace, peace out Stop protein